He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, do you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud? Welcome to Munson's at the Movies. My name's Kyle. I'll be your host. Uh, this is episode 16. My goodness, time's flying, my friends. Um, once again, here with the rest of the Munson's. Want to give them a wide berth. He's what is called a born loser. A real Munson. <laughs> and talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. James, you're first this week. Finally getting back into the sports betting world. Uh, I'm losing again as as per usual, but it feels good. You know, it feels like part of the regular cycle of life is coming back. So that's good. Yankees are in first place. So that feels amazing as well. <laughs> Aaron judge has what, like 94 home runs. He just can't stop hitting home runs. It's a, it's an issue we're trying to figure out. <laughs> Enjoy that Jersey, my friend. It's yep. uh, it's paying off that all that exactly. money I paid for it. Yeah. What was it free? Yep. It was free. Yeah. That's yep. nice. Buy two, get one free. It just happens <laughs> to be the guy with 30 home runs. Yeah. Rigby. Feels good. <laughs> Good man, living it up in Vegas. Uh, been here. This is week three for me. Week two at my new job, so things are going well. I haven't been fired yet, which is good. In a few weeks, I'll finally be able to uh, be eligible for healthcare in my four hundred one k. So, just need to make it to there, and then I think I'm I'm good to go. Good thing you got that COVID thing out of the way first. You know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one of those pre existing conditions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, w- I was very fortunate to catch it uh, right before I quit my previous job. So uh, I still had health care uh, <laughs> for them. So, um, yeah, very fortunate. Building up that herd immunity. Yep. Warren. Weather, mowing, grass, yard work, sports. I mean, same, same shit, different week. I also have like a nemesis. Uh, it's actually moles in our, in our yard. Ooh. They're everywhere. And I'm, I'm really good at, uh, at, getting them but uh there's one of them that's like playing games with me it's it's rough but i get the little bastard playing an adult version of whack-a-mole over there warren yeah have you started looking at caddyshack for some scouting film on how to <laughs> how to get this done <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's what it, I mean, I've, I've killed like 10 of them this summer damn and uh i'm pretty good at it but you're this wiping, one, this, wiping out the whole community I, I hope so, man. <laughs> Case, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take a page out of James' book. I'm, uh, I got a lot going on on my end, but I'm crazy excited to be here tonight and looking forward to a fun podcast. Here, here. On my end, I am enjoying the first week of fun employment, so I have been watching a lot of Rebecca Hall <laughs> stuff, playing a lot of Call of Duty. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yep. Trying to get out, just just helping out. Case the stock options. That's right. My stock has gone up in Activision, so now yeah. I know why. There you go. <laughs> and uh, just trying to get outside every now and then. That's the uh, that's the eternal challenge. I did get my first win on the mound last week, so that's good too. Oh, nice. So every, everything's everything's solid on that front. I I didn't get terribly shelled, only slightly shelled. How many innings did you go? Four and two thirds. Nice quality start. Not. <laughs> for a seven inning game i think what's quality star like three and two thirds at that point four four innings something like that is the recreational baseball better in indy or, or baltimore 
this league's more competitive yeah. than Indianapolis. Just it's a twenty-two and up league. I was playing in a twenty-five and up league in Indiana. If uh, it's not basketball in Indiana, there's no athletes. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Kyle and I played at the lowest level basketball in Indiana, and every dude was just dunking all over us. They're so good at basketball out here, bro. Everybody can hit a jump shot. It's ridiculous, yeah. dude. It's all yeah. It's a bunch of Larry Bird, bunch of Jimmy Chitwoods running around. <laughs> we'll be like, we'll be like actually obese guys, like that clearly like struggle oh, yeah. getting up and down the court, draining threes all game. I was like, everyone here can shoot. The whole the whole city can shoot. Apparently, wow. Everyone except us, a bunch of yeah, transplants. Yeah, we all like transplants. Yeah. We learn and we live. It is August thirteenth. We've got some birthdays, Warren. Okay, so August 13th, birthdays, Sebastian Stan, Winter Soldier from the Marvel Universe. Uh, I, Tanya. That's the same dude from I, Tanya that's the Winter Soldier? Yeah. 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 Drastically different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have a metal arm, dude. (laughs) See what else he's in. Don't fuck that. That's terrible. (laughs) He would really get typecast if he had a metal arm in real life. Yeah, there'd be no way getting out of that. Give me 36. I'm going to go 41. 39. Uh, 40. 38. Kyle with the, with the back door, 36. That's right. Back door man. All right, next up. This was, uh, this was a, bit, a bit of a deep cut. Uh, Debbie Mazar. She played Shauna in Entourage. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in Empire Records and yep, Beethoven's yep. second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 46. I feel like giving James a tiny window, 47. Uh, I'm going to go 51. I'm going to go 40. 56. Oh, <laughs> damn. You guys got to remember, Be- Beethoven second came out like 25 years ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> she was also I was just trying to undercut everybody without doing a James's $1 joke. <laughs> <laughs> she's also Henry Hill's girlfriend and her, his guma in Goodfellas. Yeah, she's super <laughs> That's so up. true. Yeah. Oh, that's right. All right, and last up, because uh, we didn't want to do Danny Bonaducci, uh, how old would Al- <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock be t- uh, today? Oh, man. You know everything he's done. He's done all the good movies, and his only shitty stuff was when he did silent film. That's how old he is. Wow. Holy hell. Uh, fuck. Do we know when he died? What year? He died in 1980. Oh, oh shit! Boy. I thought he died much earlier than that. Give me oh, hundred and nine. I'm gonna say ninety-seven. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a hundred and hundred and twenty. Oh my god! I was joking before. Uh, one hundred five. One eleven. Kyle with a one baby. Dropping bombs. Nobody else had a birthday on August thirteenth. That's it. We had some actors that we threw onto the wheel. Those actors were Jim Broadbent, rumored to be the Bird Lady's husband. I can (laughs) can or cannot confirm that one. Taraji P. Henson, Daniel Kaluuya, Alfred Molina, and Rebecca Hall. And as you know by now, Rebecca Hall is where we landed on the wheel. The wheel has spoken. Exactly. The wheel hath spoken. The wheel has spoken. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, uh, James is going to get us started with a little bit of trivia. Two truths and a lie here. Um, found some really interesting facts, but because Kyle is currently fun employed, I'm assuming he knows everything that there is to know Rebecca Hall at this point. Uh, so, Kyle, if you could go last, I'd greatly appreciate it. Fact number one, 
she was uh, she once had to turn down a personal dinner invitation from Queen Elizabeth due to a conflict with her actually filming America. Fact number two, her father's been knighted by Queen Elizabeth. Fact number three, she was supposed to play a major role in a Marvel movie, but the role was eventually reduced over concerns that she wouldn't sell enough toys. Wow. I actually don't know the answer to this one, James, so you did a good job. I'm going to go the Marvel one as a lie. That's fucking lies. I think that refers to, like, Michelle Rodriguez or something. Yeah, I think the lie is skipping a dinner with the queen. That was Jason Statham. (laughs) (laughs) Irresistible charm. I think number three is accurate because she complained about it. Um, She replaced Jessica Chastain in Iron Man 3. Um, which is a fun little throwback. But I don't know of one and two, so I'm going two. I think that's probably like a Fast and Furious fact. Somebody's dad got knighted. Yeah, I'll go with two as well, and I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to say Ludacris's dad got knighted. (laughs) (laughs) Fact number three is true. She was supposed to play that major role, uh, but character wouldn't sell enough toys. Uh, She's very outspoken against it because it was clearly a sexist-driven decision, and eventually... Brie Larson got signed on as Captain Marvel, and she was super outspoken and supportive of that because Marvel had kind of done Rebecca Hall dirty. Fact number two is also true. Her father was knighted by the Queen of England. Damn. Both her parents, super cool stories, is they come from working class Mm -hmm. families that were, they're so successful in their fields that are kind of in the high art world that they were both kind of catapulted into this upper class world despite being labeled as outsiders. Her mom is a world class opera singer. Uh, from Detroit, and Ooh. her father uh, is Peter Hall, who actually founded the Shakespearean Opera Company in Britain, which uh, he ended up getting knighted by Queen Elizabeth because he was considered the most important figure in British theater for half a century. Wow, that doesn't that doesn't suck. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, she comes from good roots. And uh, fact number one, uh, that was actually a Helen Mirren fact. Uh, she turned down dinner with the Queen. Uh, she's played Queen Elizabeth six times. She's also played Maggie Shaw, which is the mother of Deckard Shaw, who is the star of uh, Hobbs and Shaw. I think that was the first time we've ever had a trivia where we all guessed each of the three answers. Like, we usually pick two, and James always starts with, this is, the one you didn't pick is true. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Did that, I, was, I was impressed, dude. It came down to only one person got it right. That's usually not the case. Craig, tell us a little bit about her snapshot in box office history. I'm glad you brought that up, James, about Iron Man 3, because, you know, in Rotten Tomato, she has the lowest fan ranking of any of the 16 actors and actresses we've looked at. So, meanwhile, she's the third highest critic ranked. So that that makes sense to uh, to the point you brought up, James, about Marvel not thinking she can sell enough toys because maybe they felt like her fan ranking uh, would be too low in in different categories. You know, in terms of the actual box office, I have her down for 18 movies. Nine of them lost money. I think she does really well in the critic world, and I I think she does really well in a lot of um, well-crafted movies, but I I don't necessarily think she's a driving force in the box office. However, the one that's, that stood out to me, Lay the Favorite. Did you guys see the cast in Lay the Favorite? It's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. It's unbelievable. That movie was budgeted for $26 million. They lost $24.4 million. Lost. Yeah, that, that nice. cast was 
Bruce Willis, Vince Vaughn, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Charlie Conway, aka Joshua, Joshua Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> it was a pretty stacked cast. Yeah, it only made twenty-one thousand dollars in the U.S. Twenty-one thousand. Twenty-one thousand. Wow. People, people don't don't like Man, sports uh, betting movies. Hyundai Sonata in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got, man. Appreciate it. All right, before we get into some Rebecca Hall films, some more background to frame up her early career, um, so you have a better understanding of what we're talking about when we get into her performances. And I think, number one, um, James mentioned she comes from a pretty well-to-do background with her her mom and dad being very successful in their different worlds of art and performance. Um, so she had a leg up. She got her acting start in 92 uh, on a show that her father was directing called The Chamomile Lawn. I watched an episode. It was available on Tubi. She played a character named Sophie. She's 10 years old. Um, I guess she was nine at the time of uh, recording. But that was her acting start. Um, she was in four episodes of that, of that show. And then she was in a TV movie called Don't Leave Me This Way in 93. And then she was in one episode of The World of Peter Rabbit and Friends in 94. When you look at her filmography, you will notice there is a huge gap between 94, when she did Peter Rabbit, and 2006, which is her first feature film that James is going to get into here shortly. You might wonder, why? Why is there such a gap? Well, she was a kid and had to go to middle school and high yeah, school and college. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> right? She did acting work because her dad got her into it when she was young. But, you know, she had to go be normal for a little bit and just follow the path like most kids need to do. While she was in that 10-year gap in acting, she got really heavy into theater work. Her dad comes from a theater background. That's where her start was um, from a performance standpoint, especially when it gets into more primary roles. So she dropped out of college from St. Catherine's College, Cambridge, in 2002. I think she was in her fourth or senior year. Mm -hmm. So she was just on the edge of getting her degree. She joined a theater production called Mrs. Warren's Profession. It was her stage debut in 2002. Her dad was the director. She got an Ian Charlson Award for Best Actor under the age of 30, so coming out hot out of the gate. She was then in a traveling production called As You Like It um, in 2003. She got another Charleston nod in that one as well. So, I mean, two big-time British award right out the gate. is a, That's a pretty good start for her career, especially on the stage. And then in the next couple of years, she was in the fight for Barbara 03, Man and Superman, Galileo's Daughter, Don Juan. And then she was back with, as you like at this time, touring internationally in 2005. So a lot of stage work through her high school and college years. But it wasn't until 2006. She's born 82, so that she would have been, what, 23 at the time when they filmed mm-hmm. this, is when she got her first feature film that started for 10. James? Yeah, so I looked this up, and I was impressed by the ratings it had. And I was super excited to watch it. Uh, it's a de- It's a indie flick through and through the movie takes place in like 1985 and it actually has a great cast uh, the main character is a young james mcavoy playing uh-huh. the leading role uh and the story's a coming of age flick it's a high schooler's enrolling in his freshman year of college uh and he's kind of spent his whole childhood watching this something called the university challenge which is like an old college quiz show he tries out for the challenge team when he gets there and he eventually makes it you know and then he's trying to find himself while finding love while college classic coming of age romantic comedy that has like a stacked young cast uh mcavoy's the lead benedict cumberbatch is one of his teammates Mm -hmm. 
Alice Eve and Rebecca Hall are his like eventually like uh, love interests in it. Um, and there's even actually a young James Corden who plays a small cameo. And it, it's <laughs> he's so funny in the movie, bro. Dude, it's funny. He's actually very funny. He plays like his like, dumb friend from high school, which is pretty funny. Cast is rock solid, and they're actually all tremendous uh, in their roles, specifically Rebecca Hall and McAvoy. Like, you could tell from a young age, like, wow, these are very good young actors. They're doing as much as they can with uh, the script, and you could tell they kind of have, like, the proverbial it. The music's also really good. It's got a great soundtrack. I'm saying all this, though, to kind of say this next part. is like The critics loved this movie, and so I wanted to like it, but I thought it was just meh. I don't actually know why everyone kind of loved it. The, the story itself was kind of boring and a little cliche. It might be just like British humor I don't fully grasp. There's like fun, some funny scenes and some dramatic scenes. Neither were enough to make me like love the movie. The audience reviews on Rotten Tomato are almost 30% lower than the critic reviews. They're in the 60s, which is a substantial gap. And I'd actually lean more towards like the high 50s. Like it's just meh. I don't know. It's great acting. And for a young cast of nobodies that like eventually became stars, great soundtrack. But like, I just didn't find the story super entertaining. I think she did well in her role, and I it I think it helped her get on the map a little bit in the British scene. I don't think it drove her to Hollywood. It see, it seems like what you were saying about the British humor sounds like a lot of Chris O'Dowd stuff. I just <laughs> I just I just don't get it. <laughs> like, I actually thought I thought you know the movie I watched anyway, Chris O'Dowd was funny. But like with this, I was like, oh cool, all right, that's kind of funny, scene. and that's. All right, that's kind of a dramatic scene. All right, that's kind of, and then it was over. I was like, I guess I just don't fully grasp it. Like, it wasn't bad. It was just okay. I appreciated that the story didn't end in some like prepackaged bow happy ending. That yeah, he 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 cheated. Spoiler alert: He cheated in the uh, the final competition by reading one answer, and uh, you know he had to pay the price for it. Yeah, and Rebecca Hall plays like kind of like the hippie activist that lives down the hall that's kind of like sarcastic and she's really good in it and he's really good in it and you could tell they're young studs in acting but Mm -hmm. i just didn't find the movie that interesting it's a it's a launching pad for them in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways from an acting standpoint before we get to highest critic score uh, between 06 and 2010 uh, her career gets pretty busy she is in several tv movies and shorts including red riding the year of our lord 1974 which doesn't sound awesome but it was. I read a lot of stuff about it on Channel 4, and uh, she won a British Award for Best Supporting Actress in the movie. And if you want to get technical, that had a really high score as well on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but Isn't it just it a, wasn't. 100? Yeah, I think it might have been 100. It just isn't as uh, premiere as some of the other uh, movies. Yeah. It's a TV movie. But that was really popular, British TV movie. But that leads into her work on The Prestige in 2006, which was really her first Hollywood film. With Christopher Nolan, of all people, the most like regimented director of all time, which she said in, in an uh, interview was intimidating at first. I love The Prestige. This is one of those movies I can watch a thousand times, and even though I know the Nolan twists and turns twist. that are coming, I still don't care. It's still an amazing movie to watch. I probably watched it maybe a year ago. I, think, I don't think Lauren had seen it, so we sat down and watched it. I was like, all right, here it is. And she was like, wow, that was great. And I was like, I'm just... I. I'm not as excited as I was the first time. I disagree. I love the prestige too. And I think for someone to get their start in Hollywood, I don't know if there's a, maybe Martin Scorsese, but I don't know if there's a better director to start with than Christopher Nolan. Cause all of his movies, I think age really well. They're always watchable. There is a, uh, something to be said about her starting her career 
and sort of blasting off and uh, with a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That was very similar to, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Rami Malek being in uh, Paul Thomas Anderson stuff. It's yeah. just like, that's a huge deal. And I, I love yeah. Christopher Nolan. I really do. And I still, I do like the, the first time watching the prestige will always have that like lasting effect on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I, I look forward to waiting like 20 years and <laughs> forgetting the twists. Watch with your kid. Yeah. I'll watch so many other dumb movies between now and then that I will like no doubt push <laughs> that information out of my mind. The craziest part is she got the, the part from an, a, an audition through a home videotape that she had sent because she, wow. you know, hadn't, she hadn't gone overseas and worked in Hollywood yet. So she had to extend an olive branch. Interesting. And, uh, Interesting. Yeah. You'll see it in a lot of her other roles that we'll discuss later, but like what that character asks of her is something she's really good at doing, which is kind of showing the emotional sensitive wife who's mm-hmm. kind of going through some stuff. And she always crushes roles like that. And so for that to be like one of her first major films, like clearly it's a talent that she has. She is best as an actor when she is in an emotionally vulnerable role Mm -hmm. where she's like emotionally destroyed by something and tortured by something like, Mm -hmm. and and we'll get, we'll get into some of those themes. Yep. Two years later, she was in Vicky Cristina Barcelona played a character named Vicky. Um, This is, so she went from Nolan to Woody Allen, who has a very different approach to how he does movies (laughs) in terms of like, he's just like, wing it, you do your thing. She got a golden globe nomination for best actress. From based on what I read, she got a ton of rom-com scripts after that role too. They just flooded her doorstep with those. Yeah, Vicky Cristina Barcelona was a good movie. I remember seeing Vicky Cristina Barcelona because I think that was the first movie I'd seen with Javier Bardem where he didn't have like a bull cut and carry around like a cattle prod or a cattle, <laughs> whatever the thing is that they shoot that he shoots into people's heads in No Country for Old Men. The cast in that movie and the chemistry that they all have was fantastic, and Rebecca Hall mm-hmm. was a huge part of that. She's very good in that role. It's a leading role. Right, uh, alongside uh, Scarlett Johansson. The plot, that you're going to love this one, the plot starts moving along when Javier Bardem approaches the two of them sitting at a, I guess, a diner and proposes that the, the three of them go on his private plane to, I forget what the name of the place is, and he's like, and we may make love. It's it's cool. Like, you know, we'll just see how I mean, it goes. I would love to make love to both of you. If he <laughs> asked like, me that right now, I'd go. well he also says that his private like uh pilot and then he turns out to be the pilot so it's just completely hoodwinked at that point but they make it probably still go 2008 she's in the winner's tale the cherry orchard which was uh sam mendes's bridge project so again huge directors early on this was theater work but this is also the same time that there was a speculated affair with her and sam mendes for a couple years during that time and that you know through things in a tizzy. I mean, just big time directors, one after another, earlier in her career. And then she hits 2008's Frost Nixon. She played a character named Caroline Cushing. This movie rocks. And I watched it with the wifey. And I think Rebecca Hall, again, does really well in the complicated girlfriend, complicated wife role. I just think her character was completely unnecessary in this movie. Mm-hmm. It was. It yep. was. It was a subplot. Like, you're watching this because you want to see the interview you want to see that and it's like oh and also he's kind of falling in love with this one what does that have to do with like what is going on here i I remember the first time i watched it i i almost thought it was going to be like a cameo by her like to show how 
he's like the smooth ladies man, like same like journalist who can who's not intimidated by in any situation, that sort of thing. Pick up chick. And then I was kind of surprised that she like came back in other scenes and like he brought her to he brought her to Nixon's house and she stayed with him the rest of the movie. It's, she was a plot device. That's all right. She and I and I wanted to know. I've never seen the play, so I don't really know if she's even a character in the play. To be honest with you, but I'm with you, James. I don't really see, and she probably felt the same way. But I don't really see what, where that character, um, the the point of it was. There was one point where I could see it when Nixon is like trying to get uh, Frost off his game a little bit, and is like. Mm-hmm oh, so you must be having sex with her a lot, like right before the interview starts. And the guy's like, what the hell? Just like, what just happened? The president just said what to me? But like, other than that, like the character, I don't know. I just, I thought it was like what you were saying. I thought it was going to be a cameo. And I thought it was going to be like, oh, cool, Rebecca Hall. Oh, he picked up uh, a chick on the airplane. That's cool. But she's there the whole time. That being said, the ensemble cast in that movie is fucking fantastic. It's great. Yeah, it's It's really really good. That, That movie bangs, bro. Sam Rockwell, Oliver Platt, Kevin Bacon, uh, Matthew McFadden, who's uh, who's fantastic. Well, and you see Rebecca Hall start to cross paths with similar actors because you've got Kevin Bacon there, and then uh, the two next roles she was at, she was in Dorian Gray in '09 and Please Give in 2010. Oliver Platt was in Please Give, so she she's cross paths with a lot of the same actors over time. Um, and then finally, 2010, uh, she was in a movie, a TV movie called Einstein and Eddington. She played Winnie, uh, the sister of Eddington. And I point this one out because she gives a really impassioned speech. And I think it's, you know, if you go out of your way to watch this movie, which most people won't if you're listening. But if you do, she gives a really good speech. And I've noticed a theme. She can take those speech moments and really captivate on it and deliver some pretty mm-hmm. awesome stuff. And I also noted that Jim Broadbent is in it and he's pretty excellent. And uh, I thought Warren <laughs> would really enjoy that. that little Jim Broadbent. Kyle's Who? The wheel. <laughs> J- Jimmy Broadbent. He's he again another Mister Bird Lady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jimmy Broad. But that also brings us to her highest critic score, and that's the town, which is probably that and the Prestige, and probably her most popular roles in terms of just pop culture. Oh yeah, the town rocks, man. So I'll I'll be quick on this one because I'm assuming everybody's listened probably has seen it, so I'm not going to spoil anything, nor am I going to blow someone's mind that this movie exists. To frame it up, it has a 93 from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 85 from the audiences. Mm-hmm. And then on IMDb, it's 74 and 74. So it's consistently praised by both critics and audiences alike, which isn't always the case. The gist I will give if you somehow haven't seen this, Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner lead a group of bank robbers from Charlestown, Massachusetts, a place where bank robbery seems to be in the water. They rob the bank where Rebecca Hall works as a bank manager. She's traumatized. Uh, she gets kidnapped. Affleck makes a rookie bank robbery mistake and falls in love with her while he's scoping around like an idiot, which uh, complicates his personal and legal situation in the movie. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, there's some really good supporting roles. Pete Postlewaite plays Fergie. He's awesome in that as the mob boss type. John Hamm plays the FBI agent. He's great. Blake Lively plays Affleck's former squeeze, Renner's sister, and she's pretty convincing in that like train wreck of a role. Yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until I watched it the other day that Affleck direct and co-wrote it. I never knew yep. that, which makes sense in the more you know about his, his Boston roots. Um, and I really enjoyed the score. It was very underrated score from David Buckley and Harry Gregson Williams. 
it's similar to some other major films, especially Nolan types of scores, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Rebecca plays her character's name is Claire Kesey. The movie works because she's damn good at channeling the trauma of a bank robbery kidnapping by armed robbers. And she, for the movie to work as well, she has to be extremely naive about Doug's mishaps because he constantly says shit that he shouldn't say in front of her. Like, he knows the criminal justice system way too well, and she's like, oh, that's peculiar, but there's nothing sketchy about that whatsoever. (laughs) Or when he knows she has a Prius, and she's just like, well, whatever. It was a good guess. So she has to be a really naive character, and I think she sells that well to keep you moving along. Best scene for me is when she's losing control in the bathroom after she finds out Doug, played by Affleck, is part of the crew that kidnapped her. Her line when she says, is this what you do? Is it not enough to terrorize them, but you have to fuck them too? Um, I thought that that line delivery was just right on point. I'll open it up to you guys. I'm, I'm sure you guys are fans of in her role i love the town to this day i still whenever one of my friends gets a girlfriend i still say i hear you got a nice sweet new girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> just like pete possowate said yeah she claire she's great in it like you said she has to be vulnerable and naive and the, the opening scene which was which is where she gets taken hostage it's pretty emotional you meet her when she's like on the ground in the bank and then you know the scene where they take her which they replay throughout the movie. They take her to the lake and say, uh, just walk. And she's describing, she's describing to John Hamm's character or no, she's describing to Ben Affleck, I guess, which is, um, the person who took her hostage, right. About how, you know, she, she thought she was going to like walk off the ledge or get shot or something. And next thing you know, she, she felt the water and she knew she was safe. She did a great, she did a great job in that role. You know, I don't really know who else they could have cast that would have done a better job. Just like kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's, clearly a strength of hers um she could channel the fragile the vulnerable the kind of like emotionally hurt and sensitive uh romantic interest and it really plays well the town is like such an awesome movie this one of those movies that like every time it's on i rewatch it uh from wherever it is to the end to the point uh the wifey makes fun of me and when i watched it for this she thought i was like fucking with She's like, you have to watch the town for the podcast. It's like, well, you know, you know, one thousandth yeah. time, I got to watch it. I don't tell you, man. I'm, I'm watching for something. Rebecca Hall. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very focused here. I don't love the movie. I'm oh boy, here we go. Definitely, <laughs> go. definitely <laughs> I'm definitely entertained by it. Like, I, I give it like a seventy-five out of a hundred. That's right on IMDb. Right. right it's right it, it's it is definitely entertaining. The scenes and everything are really good. And believe it or not. Affleck directing this, the fact that he didn't do too much, his character is very like even keeled. It's not like this ridiculous thing. Like if he had cast Matt Damon as Jeremy Renner's character, I'd be laughing my ass <laughs> off. But just like listening to both of them talk in Boston accents would be worth the price of admission. My biggest beef was just the way the movie ended. Oh, you don't like it? No, well, like I could do with the letter and everything. But when they just show him like standing on this little yeah. like crawdad shack in Florida, <laughs> that's that's just like I'm. It's like they think I'm too I'm too dumb to know that he got away. Well, it's not even like a long pano shot. If you're gonna do that, commit to it. Like give me give me at least a yeah. couple minutes. Yeah, like, yeah. That shot is like two seconds long. 
Yeah, it's it's, kind of that actually fits with a lot of other shots that he does through the movies. Like, there's one he does a lot of like showing the passage of time by showing the sky, and you can see the sun go up and down, and you're like, oh, there's a day. But there's a couple times he shows the sky and it's cloudy, and you can't see the sky moving, but you can see like if you look really closely, you can see like a couple cars move in the distance. Otherwise it just looks like he shows, it just shows the town from a distance from a while. And I was like, well, I guess that's the the city is called the town, but it's the town, bro. It's right out of the Tommy Wiseau book of how you do panos. Warren, I thought you were going to say you didn't like it because it's so close to heat. Uh, I had thought, I thought about that a little bit, but like, I do remember when it came out, people were like, if you haven't seen heat, you're going to love this movie. If you have, you're going to be like, ah, he was better. But the, these guys must live in a world where, uh, like, Point Break doesn't exist. Like, you don't go for the safe. <laughs> right. Don't go for the safe, and you live to fight another day. Like, that's it. They go for the safe. Following the town between 2010 and 2013, she's in another stage production with her father called Twelfth Night. She's in 2010's Everything Must Go as Samantha, a movie with uh, Will Ferrell. In 2011, she's in a... a indie movie called a bag of hammers not a huge film Uh, she's got some great acting she plays a really concerned waitress but she's definitely the heavyweight of that project and then following that in 2011 she was in the awakening which was her horror debut i enjoyed it the the story you could criticize the story and especially the the final third of the movie but in terms of selling it from the fright standpoint i think she does a good job in the horror side is this probably the first movie where she's taking a dominant female role in the film for mm-hmm. the first, what, probably half of the movie, Kyle? She's, she's a very assertive, very confident yep. uh, character. And it was, it was fun to watch. Yeah. She plays a, uh, someone who's supposed to debunk ghost stories and ends up uh, getting more than she bargained for. And then 2012, we, as we mentioned earlier, she was in lay the favorite. That was a movie with that stacked cast with like Bruce Willis and Vince Vaughn. What's interesting about her role in this movie, if you get a chance to see it, is that her character, she changes her voice. So she is British, right? So she's in a lot of films where she has to use an American accent, which she does well. But in this one, she is supposed to be this like really ditzy character living in Las Vegas, and she has a very high-pitched voice, and it's just not terribly convincing, unfortunately. It probably lent to why the, the movie was a failure, not just her, but some of the other performances as well. Where she hit home runs in other places, I think this is the one where uh, it was it was a uh, ground out to the shortstop. That's the best way I would put it. I love, and this has nothing to me. I promise this has nothing to do with me living in Vegas. But I love like gambling casino movies. Um, but some just some just are not hits, you know. Aside from like Rounders, um, Molly's Game, those are like the big ones that come to mind. Some of them are just. I remember the what's the um, Rain Man. Or Rain Man, yeah, that's that's a classic too. But like, um, I'm trying to. What's the one with um, Drew Barrymore and Eric Bana? That was like a huge bomb. Um, it was like a romantic Never comedy that took place. No. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Oh, Lucky, Lucky Me. No, Lucky You. Lucky You was what it was. Nope, never heard of it. Um, that came out in like 2007, and I remember it kind of having a similar type budget to this movie. Two big leads, and it just it just stunk. Some movies are just you know. I feel like. Um, they just hit the wrong audience and come out at the wrong time or something, and this might have been one of them. Well, the the one redeeming value of this movie is that there is a soundbite from her at the end that uh, we will probably use at the end of this episode. So 
be prepared for that where she uh, threatens to stab Vince Vaughn in the dick with a steak knife. So that's <laughs> that part was worth the watch at least. 2012, she's in Parades End. Uh, it's a TV miniseries, five episodes. Uh, she got a British award for Best Actress from that one. So continuing to do well on the British side um, in these miniseries. That, that miniseries also had Benedict Cumberbatch in it. And then in 2013, she made her Marvel Cinematic Universe debut as Maya in Iron Man 3. As we had mentioned, she replaced Jessica Chastain in that role, and uh, they rewrote her character um, out to be a pretty minor character and made Guy Pierce the bad guy. Did Jessica Chastain turn it down, or because I know, like, she ends up Jessica Chastain ends up being in Dark Phoenix in like 2018, but like, I don't know, did they rewrite it and then she turned it down? No, no. Um, Jessica, Jessica Chastain turned it down, and Rebecca Hall signed on with the original script still. So Rebecca Hall signed on thinking she was going to be the main villain. And it was actually almost halfway through production when Marvel, uh, whoever at the tippy top who makes these decisions, was like, oh, nope, we're halting production. You guys got to do everything. She's not the main villain anymore. Uh, it was Mr. Mr. Feige. No, but, uh, so I, I thought it was Feige, but uh, I looked into it, and they were like, this is right around the time Feige was fighting with so and other people at marvel because of the direction people were going and so feige apparently was on the, the good side of history of here based on what our- hmm. that's good it's right on brand for feige yeah, um, if he was on the good side he wouldn't have had this movie made <laughs> well yeah <laughs> while the movie is forgettable in a lot of ways at least set up uh, shang chi and the ten rings uh, which is supposed to be coming next year so uh, wait what what'd you just say so the basis of the uh, the Mandarin, um, that oh, whole, okay. yes, whole storyline okay. that you think is a throwaway because it's actually Ben Kingsley's Playboy actor character. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mandarin's actually real, and that's the basis. The Ten Rings that you see on stuff that's mm-hmm. the basis for the Shang Chi movie that's coming out next year from the Marvel side. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Now I know what you're talking. About. My so it's not a complete lost cause. It will still have something. Um, have some value for setting up some um, phase four stuff and beyond playing the long game. And then finally uh, in 2013, she was in closed circuit as a character named Claudia. I, I watched this for the podcast. I will say, I will note this. She plays a special advocate in the uh, British legal system and gives a really powerful speech uh, scene at the end of the movie that uh, it's pretty memorable. At least if you watch enough of her stuff. I, what sucks about this movie is it's kind of similar to Starter for 10, where I was like, wow, it's really good acting. And, oh, this is actually pretty well put together. And then, the, like, the dramatic scenes, I was like, that's eh, not that dramatic. I was like, I actually kind of don't care. Oh, and the movie's over. Like, it, it was just like, it was almost a great movie, and then it was just, no. But uh, that Rebecca Hall kind of um, monologue that you mentioned was actually great. She's in the, uh, the courtroom, right? Is that what you're referencing? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yep. was, that was really good. It was the highlight of the movie. It's her performance, at least from my end. Um, and that takes us to her lowest critic score. It's called A Promise, and Rigby's got this one. Somehow I always get the period pieces. I don't know how. This movie is sadly one of Alan Rickman's final roles. I think he only had two or three after this before he died um, in 2015. So the, A Promise is based off a German novel from the 19th century. And Rebecca Hall plays Alan Rickman's uh, wife in this movie, and Alan Rickman plays this industrialist, t- and um, this is in the early 20th century in Germany. It takes place, so it takes place during the Second Industrial Revolution, basically. Richard Madden plays someone who joins or who starts working at um, 
at uh, Alan Rickman's steel mill, he meets and falls in love with Charlotte, who is played by Rebecca Hall, who is Alan Rickman's wife. The gist of the story, you can probably guess it. They fall in love. Um, things happen where, um, you know, you don't know if the love is going to continue. Um, and it's, that's basically the movie. And it sort of sets up a, a suspenseful uh, finish of how, how it's going to, how it's going to happen. Are they going to go their separate ways? Or are they going to keep their relationship? This movie got panned by critics um, mainly because the main criticism was that the love, the affair between Rebecca Hall and Richard Madden was, um, I read anything from like loveless to passionless to just plain boring. <laughs> I think that criticism un- is unfair because, um, I, I, I don't know. I didn't agree with that. I just think the movie itself was boring and pointless. Like if this is a novel, I feel like I've just, I've seen this plot so many times. Uh-huh. Um, whether it's Anna Karenina, whether it's, I mean, any, any sort of forbidden, forbidden love affairs, essentially. I felt like I, I felt like I had watched this movie for a previous review, you know, like I was not into it at all. It's boring. I'll, I'll just be honest. It's, I hate period pieces and especially ones that take place in 1910 Germany, but her role is fine. I mean, she's, she's, you know, she's gorgeous in it. I'll say that. And she's very affectionate. Um, you know, like I said, I disagree with their with the the description that their affair was passionless. But I don't know. I just had a very hard time attaching myself to the characters. How did it get rated R? Because you can see somebody's ankles. Yeah, I was going to say nothing of what you described <laughs> sounds like an R-rated movie to me. Is there death? Is there murder? Uh, no. Murder? I mean. Uh, Alan Rickman's <laughs> Alan Rickman's character dies, but there's some there's because it takes place it t- it takes place it leads up to World War One, so there is there are some war scenes in it, which I is probably the bulk of the budget, I would imagine. Um, so there's some violence and blood. Well, that's another period piece because you could technically call the Awakening a period piece because it's right after. You know, and they they there is like there are love scenes, but um, I'd have to. I, I, not enough to make it an R-rated movie. That's actually a great question. Yeah. Um, nothing of what's been described so far. You're like, oh, there is a first scene. It's like, oh, so it must be gore. And you're like, no, nah, not really. Well, there, there, <laughs> there is, but there is. Bad but, words. You know, I hadn't, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that going into the movie. So I wasn't really looking for. Right. Weird. Period pieces no. always have a hard time grasping me. And this one was no different. She takes a little break from film work and, uh, before we get to largest audience gap, and she did, she made a Broadway debut in 2013 in Machinal. Uh, she's a lead performance in that play, um, which got pretty good. It didn't win any major awards um, on the Broadway side, but it had pretty decent reviews um, from the crowds who saw it, and they said they enjoyed her performance uh, in that play. So sticking with a lot of her theater roots to take a break and do that, and then. She uh, joined the likes of Johnny Depp in the largest audience gap for Transcendence in 2014. Biggest audience gap. This just proves how stupid people are. Um, audience gave it a 37. Critics gave it a 19. It was the it was the directorial debut of a guy named Wally Fister. Yep, <laughs> that's not a porn star, but uh, that sounds like a picture from the 1800s. <laughs> that, yeah, that's Doug, Doug Fister's great grandfather. <laughs> you and I are on the same page, Warren. Wally Wally Fister ended up. He actually won an Academy Award for Best Cinematography for Inception. 
Wow. Yeah. So you have high expectations because Inception, you know, it was only a couple years before this. This movie flat out blows. Uh, Stat cast, Rebecca Hall, Paul Bettany, Morgan Freeman, Kate Mara, uh, Killian Murphy, and yeah, Johnny Depp is in it. But I don't really like Johnny Depp. He's good in Pirates of the Caribbean and his cameo in 21 Jump Street. But other than that, I just don't care about him. Depp, Depp plays a nerd who's big into computers and perfecting AI. He's married to Rebecca Hall, Rebecca Hall who supports him. Morgan Freeman is a Fred nerd, and Paul Bettany is trying to fuck Rebecca Hall while being friends with Johnny Depp. Uh, Kate Mara plays the least nefarious terrorist leader ever. Like <laughs> she's just this, you know, you know, cute little pint-sized woman who I'm, um, you know, she's just uh, just the most like ridiculous bad person. Cast in quotes, bad time. person. She's not really the bad guy. She's the one who's trying to stop bad stuff happening. Uh, basically, she's trying to stop Johnny Depp from playing God. Um, her group blows up some labs and kills some scientists. And they shoot Johnny Depp with a uh, radioactive bullet. He uh, doesn't die immediately, but succumbs to radiation poison- poisoning because the bullet is dipped in like radioactive material. And conveniently, he has a couple weeks to upload his sentience to an AI computer. He gets in, ends up doing a bunch of stuff he shouldn't, brings up the whole question of, like, technology is too powerful, all this stuff. I really do like shitty movies, but this one was, it was brutal. Uh, It was, like, the most boring Black Mirror episode ever. And she, Rebecca does a bunch of the, you know, I'm the emotional wife, my husband is dying, and then... I let me like let me I can kill him I can give him a virus that's going to shut down technology around the world and there's like just no emotion like from Johnny Depp he he's just granted he's playing a computer like for half of the movie so it doesn't require him to act and I guarantee he just cashed a big fucking paycheck but it's it's a dumb movie guys it's really dumb <laughs> and uh I'm wondering with that cast, what was the uh, the box office and the budget? Did we talk about that? Movie? Budget was 100 mil, oh, and it God. made it made 104. Oh, so it, it ended up losing money. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's 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 Wild. probably well. It, it definitely ended up losing money because I don't think they threw in all no, their that's, adver- yeah, their advertising, right? The marketing and stuff. Their advertising was out the ass. I yeah, remember, yeah, I remember all the commercials for this, and they were like, "Johnny Depp plays a computer." Bleh. Is fucking. Dumb. I think there's there's some stat that like if if a movie doesn't if a movie makes like forty less than its budget like with they have to do a write off because it doesn't take into effect like marketing yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah, they only made twenty three in the U.S. and Canada. That's this movie. She she didn't hurt the movie one bit. Um, but you just you you just don't care about her. Yeah. Some some projects are just failed from the start. All the yeah. reviews I see are all saying like the same thing, where it's like, "Wow, this was boring, super boring, competent but boring, visually intriguing, <laughs> boring." Like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to watch that movie. Entertainment value is important when it comes yeah. to stuff, big budget projects like that that are yeah that are marketed like that. So yeah, twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen, um, she is in a movie called Tumble Down. She plays a character named Hannah. Uh, she's a co-lead with Jason Sudeikis, and so it's a fun combo. Um, Craig, I would liken this movie to Juliet Naked in terms of plot. I know you liked Juliet Naked. Uh, similar, 
not necessarily the same, but has to do with her husband, who was a folk singer who died and kind of un- figuring out his past and things like that. Um, so not much more to add to that, but just the type of movie she's in. It's a comedy, um, and Sudeikis is funny, so it, it's it's a good time. Um, and then in 2015, she played Robin in Joel Edgerton's The Gift. This movie rocks. Um, what you're about to hear from my friend Warren here is all bullshit. You should absolutely see this movie. Joel Edgerton crushes it. Um, it is a horror movie slash like a horror slash thriller. And what I love the most about this is the movie itself does such a good job of not letting the audience get comfortable with where it's going or how they and Rebecca Hall's character helps that happen. Um, she is Jason Bateman's wife in it, and they just moved to it looks like San Francisco or you know West Coast city um, from wherever they were, and you don't really know why. And they bump into a guy that Jason Bateman went to high school with, and he awkwardly kind of starts to stalk them, and it slowly devolves into like. Is this home invasion going on? What is happening? You don't <laughs> really napping. know. Exactly. You don't really know what's going on. Um, and Rebecca, Jason Bateman is going like full alpha male. If I see this guy, I'm going to beat him up kind of stuff. And which he does. Yeah, which he does. And Rebecca Hall's character is more like, he just might not have like social graces. Like he might just be like a strange dude. You know, maybe it's not him doing these. And that's why I, I loved this movie so much is even when they start revealing stuff to you, you're still like, yeah, that's messed up, but uh, this is also kind of messed up. I'm not exactly sure how I should feel. Um, And her character is kind of the character that you see um, the movie through, the perspective through, because she's a little messed up and she's going through uh, some personal issues, which is something that she does great. Yeah. Before before Warren shits on it, I uh, I'm a big fan of the gift too. All right, so I'm not going to say I'm going to shit on it because, James, a lot of the stuff that you say is completely true. Like, you you are uncomfortable for almost the entire movie. Joel Edgerton, I look at I I, like, laughed every single time he was on TV, though, because of his, like, haircut and his, yeah, his earrings and everything. Yeah, yeah. Very weird-looking dude, yes. Very and weird. An, initially, I was, like, because the whole thing is Jason Bateman's character is, a, he's, like, a bully. And I was, like, wow, what an unintimidating bully presence. But then I was, like, you know what? I've, I've seen so many of his movies that like I guarantee if he's any like he was probably just like the most like psychological warfare it could mm-hmm. tear anybody down mm-hmm. to like just w- with like words and absolutely destroy them the ending when he's like he plants the idea in his head and he was like did I do it did I not did I fuck your wife did I not mm-hmm. is that my baby is that your baby and he's like having a meltdown and he walks away and then takes and- off the arm sling well, he takes sure he takes off the arm sling, but it's like he's Jason Bateman's like, oh, what do I do? I've got nothing. I have to live with this whole thing. And I was like, that's fucking bullshit, dude. Maury Povich has made thirty five hundred episodes about a show <laughs> specifically towards paternity tests. If he takes a paternity test and it says that that's his kid, guess what? Nothing happens. If he takes a paternity test and says that it's not his kid, then he's got video of this guy 
raping his wife. <laughs> and that's that's enough to do it. Enough to show that he had drugged her and raped her, and that would be enough. The movie's over. So to your point, because I have thought of this as that exact moment as well, is like how does how should that character handle? I think because Joel Egerton at that point has effectively ruined Jason Bateman's life, right? He got him fired. His wife wants him out of the house. Yeah, he doesn't abusive. care at that point. Right. What I think is then is you got to take into account that uh, Rebecca Hall's character um, is depressed and has ha- had had drug issues, suicide uh, thoughts prior that if he brings up that she may have been raped – uh, that could be the ball game of his wife living anymore. So he has to keep that to himself because of that potential outcome. But it's him keeping lies from her is something that he struggled with the whole movie because she smells his bullshit the whole movie. She's like, are you sure that nothing happened? Because this dude seems pretty upset with us. Like, he's like, no, nothing fucking happened. And like, he can't do the lie. So I'm trying to think, like, how could he figure it out? And it would have to be like, Hey, when I come over and see uh, our son or daughter, I forget. Uh, I'm just gonna have to pick some hair off that kid's head real quick. We're gonna go get that tattoo real quick. Like, like I'm trying to think of a way he could actually figure because I don't think he could. His character could tell her what potentially might have happened without having massive uh, life-altering effect on her. Uh, I think you may be overthinking it too much. Like, if if everything's done, like you throw a hail mary, you're like, guess what? I got these videos from this guy. Looks like he raped you. Let's take a look at that kid. Yep, he's mine. Yep, we're good. Yeah, I'll see. Good. I'll see you he's every dead. other. I'll see you every other. <laughs> week. But she, but she's pretty effectively leaving him at the end. And that was Edgerton's point. Was like, I'm going to ruin your life. Going to ruin your relationship. And it's my kid potentially, but you'll never know. So fuck you. I I get aggravated by Bateman, but he's good in that role. Yeah. What's ridiculous to me is he sees him and he, he like introduces him to his wife and he was like, "Oh yeah, this is Gordo." It was like not once does he ever call Gordon. Gordon. His name is <laughs> Gordon, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, we used to like teabag this guy, and I said he got <laughs> yeah. raped by somebody, but yeah. I'm gonna call him Gordo the whole time." I ruined his life, but that fucking who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, bygones be bygones. It's been yeah. twenty years; it'll be fine. David Denman in a huge role. Is- <laughs> <laughs> that's true Dead, forgot about man. that 2015 um mentioned she would she plays a narrator in in a documentary called bonobos back to the wild i note this i'm an anthropology nerd um love bonobos they're like pygmy chimpanzees who are not violent and solve all their problems with sex it's hilarious um they're endangered it's a documentary about them being endangered in th- this uh wildlife refuge in the congo that is uh trying to reintroduce reintroduce them into the population and she plays the narrator but as the narrator she is essentially this um humanitarian belgian woman and so she's doing the narrating with a belgian accent and i had no clue that she would be able to do that um it, it took me a while to realize i was like is that her you know it's not entirely clear from the start that it's her but then you realize it's just her and luke evans to the two voices in the documentary. So interesting, different take. Some of her more personal projects in terms of conservation. Um, and then in 2016, we hit the movie in the role that I we've been getting tweeted at constantly from people about, and that's her role as Christine Chubbuck and Christine. This movie is heavy, is how I would describe mm-hmm. it. And it's heavy because of her 
not only the story itself is very heavy, but she is the star of this movie because she, similar to, I guess, what I said about the prior movie, it, uh, she makes you uncomfortable this entire time. Yes. Like, it is a very good depiction of how the older kind of boomer generation when they were younger didn't really know how to handle mental illness mm-hmm. respond to people with mental illness and in a story like this that's a tragic story and a true story um she is fantastic in the i think this is her landmark performance in her up to this point you'd point out like this is if you're going to say pick one rebecca hall performance that stands out i think this is one her mannerisms and her micro expressions are so distinct mm-hmm. and they convey so much of her characters that she doesn't need to say. She's very efficient in, in her roles at, at conveying some different emotions that I haven't seen in a lot of the other actors or actresses we've watched. I also liked how Michael C. Hall is uh, a coworker of hers and tries to help her. And she's like excited and like, oh, cool. Like, uh, I'm kind of misread the vibes between me and my coworker, but you know he's trying to help me. And because yep. of like the time frame back then and where people were with mental health and how to handle mental illness, like she's failed pretty much instantly by where he brings her to try to help her. And then mm-hmm. after that, she's like, "Oh, I thought for a second, a sliver of hope, someone's going to figure out problems for me, and it's all gone." And uh, cool, I guess I can yeah. just dive deeper into what I'm struggling. I love um, Tracy Letts. He plays Tracy the boss Lutz in it. Great. He's yeah, a he's great, great. Um, fantastic actor, actor, but he's he's awesome as like an antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he's, I don't know, he's super condescending and shoots her down oh, yeah. a lot, and um, he's he was great in it too. In addition mm-hmm. to in addition to Rebecca Hall, it's clear her boss is like doesn't really grasp what's happening with her, right. and he's just like, "Why are you giving me this, yep. all this shit? Like, just leave me alone." <laughs> she has a full-on breakdown where she questions, like, your wife's alcoholism. Like, there's a problem, man. There's <laughs> yeah, an issue here. Dude, like, you're you're mad she spoke to you that way. You're not looking at the bigger issue here. But following that, 2016, she was in Spielberg's The BFG, smaller part, um, towards the end of the film, and then. 2017, she's in The Dinner, plays a character named Caitlin Lohman, alongside Richard Greer and some other big-time actors. And she's just got some killer monologues in that movie, man. Very fiery, passionate monologues. Um, the movie, not that great, but she, she kills it in those spaces. And that takes us to largest critic app, so our last big movie review. And it's Permission, and Case has it. Permission is a, um, is a movie that is starring and produced by Rebecca Hall. I didn't necessarily see this anywhere in the interviews that I read or watched, but it um, it certainly appears like a passion project. And I'll explain that here after I after I go through the plot. It's a pretty straightforward plot. It's a story that it, it's it's been running to the ground a little bit, but I do think that this movie took a, it kind of a different approach to it. Rebecca Hall plays a character named Anna who is, has been in a long-term relationship with Will, who's, been play, who's being played by Dan Stevens. And the two of them are out on a, a date with their friends, Reese and Hale, who are also a couple. Reese and Hale kind of make the, make the, the off comment about they're inevitably going to get married, but are they going to miss being with other people? And Rebecca Hall's kind of like, well, I've really never been with all that many guys. And, and uh, so she starts kind of thinking about it. And then it, it opens up this whole story about having an open relationship. One of the things that was interesting about this this story is that she's actually 
the the character that recommends to her her boyfriend will that they should do this and and he's very supportive and it's one of those stories and and it's you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna draw it out but they basically get into this open relationship and everything it was intended to feel like a rom-com at the start of it and the director wanted it to be a um kind of feel like that those 90s rom-coms where they got the nicest houses yet you don't know if they do for a job their lives seem perfect yet you don't know anything about them and so they that was intentional but it's not conveyed very well right like you don't you don't pick up on that the story follows these two it's really about two two couples it's about Anna and Will Rebecca Hall and Dan Stevens and then their friends Reese and Hale the reason I said this was a um, a passion project or or you know something that Rebecca Hall was very invested in personally is she's married to Morgan Spector. I was going to say, yeah, he plays Reese. And so, uh, and she says in a, in a, in an article, you know, quote, this project was unique though, because it was populated with our best friends. Dan Stevens, who her co-star is, was at college with me and I'm the godmother to his kid. Hmm. And he used to live down the road from us in Brooklyn. Brian Crano, the director also lives about 15 minutes away from us in Brooklyn. And he's married to David Joseph Craig, who plays Morgan's boyfriend in the film. So this is a real luxurious situation that we all got to work together. And, and that is one of the things, though, that does jump out of this movie is, is that main cast, those four, really do have good, uh, good chemistry and, and good, they play off of each other well, and they're, and they're certainly clicks. My problem with this movie really isn't the acting. I mean, I sat down earlier today to kind of write down my pros and cons in this movie. I really don't have anything bad to say about it. I don't. What I, how I would categorize this movie is it's it's almost a movie that's made for film school students, and and there's a bunch of the backstories that people don't know, and so it's it was hard to really get invested. But then after I did some more research in the movie, I'm like, oh, that part was pretty interesting. Like I did not know all five of those guys were friends, so I get why the critics rated this better than the fans did. But I would probably still side with the fans. You know, I enjoyed watching it, but, you know, it's mainly just because I'm doing it for this podcast. If I wasn't mm-hmm. assigned this with a podcast, I probably never would have watched it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't want to feel like a guinea pig watching a movie and be like, oh, did you did you pick up on that? How did you feel about that? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not really that's not really what I like enjoy about movies. So I get being a casual observer watching something like that. And then reading about it and being like, well, of course I wouldn't have fucking picked up on that. Like I'm, I'm not studying, I'm not studying, you know, these, these film things. And like, I think to go back and be like, to rate it after reading a review kind of, that ruins the, the rating of it. Yes. Yeah. I didn't realize until you just mentioned this, but, uh, her husband was actually in Christine as well. He was the, uh, the doctor, Morgan Spector. Yep. Played, Played her doctor. That's right. Actually, that's the year they got married, so they probably met that way. Probably. Met on set. Yeah, because that movie showed at Sundance that year. Continues your streak of her doing movies with other actors, Jason Sudeikis, mm-hmm. who was uh, mm-hmm. in a movie a couple couple of reviews ago. Yep. Consistent. She does multiple projects with other actors and directors, for sure. You know, she talked about Scarlett Johansson and that they were in The Prestige together, but they only have one scene together. So they really didn't cross paths much. And then they were in Vicky Cristina Barcelona and they were besties at that point in time mm-hmm. because they had to be. All right, so to round out her final, kind of the last three years of her filmography, uh, 2017, 2020. In 2017, she's in 
Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. I don't know if you any of you guys have seen it. I saw it a few years ago, really enjoyed it, rewatched it for the podcast. The basic gist is there's some creative liberty here, but it's the origin to the Wonder Woman comic book character and mm-hmm. the comic book series. And you learn it's a lot of BDSM um, in terms mm-hmm. of the origin of it. And it was very provocative at the time. Now, they couldn't really get super close to Marston's family. to, And apparently the estate says that they got a lot of things wrong. They took some creative liberty on that front. But I found it to be a pretty intriguing movie heavily female director producer all those things yeah. so a lot of female direction on the project um and she puts on a little bit of an accent for that one too that's a little bit different it's interesting to hear you say that kyle about marston's estate not not agreeing with it because i was wondering because there were some things that just felt a little bit exaggerated they didn't create the polygraph they created like the pressure band that you put on the arm for it so that you know okay. slightly different the psychology behind it was pretty much spot on i did enjoy how you said earlier about the strong female character development and strong female roles it was uh it was it was a nice refreshing change from a a lot of the movies we've watched and more oliver platt in that movie yeah yep she plays a character that has a crazy arc in that movie and that she is like the supportive wife to the academic who also wishes she had her phd but you know she can't at that time but then has to become slowly open i guess she's open on the front end but has to come to terms with the philosophical side of what it's like to be in a three-way relationship and raise kids yeah and i think she was surprised that she fell in love with Mm -hmm. you know the other person Mm -hmm. yeah interesting movie um, yeah, and if you don't know anything about uh, Wonder Woman, it'll blow your socks off. That's for sure. A couple other projects. She's in Mirai. Uh, that's available on Netflix. You can check that out. She's in a movie called Teen Spirit, um, twenty eighteen. She's a predatory music agent in that one. Twenty eighteen. She was took her shot at a comedy in Holmes and Watson, and man, what a doozy that one was. I didn't see it. <laughs> I heard about it. Everyone took a shot at that one. I, I watched it. I really wanted to like it. There were a couple parts that I thought were hilarious, and that was it. All it has to do with is John C. Riley shooting a gun and how it keeps recurring in the movie where he shoots a gun at really bad times. The rest of the movie absolutely sucks ass. Doesn't have a rating of yeah. like a 20 or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's something bad. crazy low. So yeah. I, I I never saw. I remember laughing at the trailer or the previews because it was just yeah. so stupid. But yeah. um, but I never saw it. Warren, is she funny in the role? Like, no. how does she do comedy? No, no, no one's no one's funny. No one's it's funny. Really, really is just John C. Riley. He gets nervous, and so he loads a gun and shoots somebody. Like that's, that's like his, style, huh? his yeah, nervous tick is he shoots people. And that that's funny. It like comes up a couple times in the movie, and I laughed each time he did it. But other than that, no, there is nothing memorable about the movie. Okay, I, well, there we I go. specifically didn't go see this because Step Brothers is one of my favorite comedies of time. And when I saw the reviews were so bad for this, I don't want to kind of taint you don't want to taint the love. That. Yeah, the love yeah. I have for this duo because I also love Talladega Nights as well. But like. Yeah. If, they're, if yeah. their third time together was a disaster, I was like, I'll just stick with the two that I yeah. love. Yep. Well, we'll just leave it at that. She was in her second Woody Allen project in 2019 in a rainy day in New York. Um, the important anecdote from that is she donated her salary after a lot of the uh, info about Woody Allen came out. 
and she felt she said she owed a lot to Woody Allen earlier in her career and kind of teaching her the biz. But uh, she recognized it was the right thing to do to take the proceeds and donate it to Time's Up. The whole Woody Allen thing is the one thing of the Me Too movement I never fully grasped because, like, his information has been known for a minute. And, mm-hmm. like, everyone's like, oh, by the way, remember this? And they're like, yeah, let's cancel him now. I was like, I've been seeing this dude at Knicks games for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's cared. You know? Yeah, so. Natasha Leone was the first one to try and cancel him. Yeah, dude, that's, I love that. That's why I respected that joke She's so a much. badass. Yeah, dude, yeah. such a good joke. She's such a badass. No one's allowed in the 16-year-old's room. Especially you, Woody. And then most recently, she was in The Night House uh, as a character named Beth. It showed at Sundance. I didn't get a chance to check it out, but it, I don't think it's hit um, theaters since Sundance. And then finally, um, she is in a miniseries that's on Amazon Prime called Tales from the Loop. I crushed all eight episodes. There are eight different directors. A fun fact, uh, Jodie Foster directs the eighth episode. Oh, um, oh a little cool. nugget there. The show is really cool if you like shows that are about like examining existence and the and philosophy of life and time and if you like stuff like that you'll enjoy the show (laughs) yeah it's not for warren it's like james and i will like it warren won't like it and then mark i'll probably won't like it either yeah i don't want you to Uh, play me off as like some simpleton it's (laughs) (laughs) were you or were you not wheezing in the background that wasn't that wasn't me if i was me if i was Uh, it's it's strictly from like asthmatic purposes (laughs) (laughs) so that brings us to top performances rigby what you got for top 10 best rebecca hall acting performances this is rated by the users not the critics obviously christine Christine is number one, and that's probably a given. The town? Town is number five, so we got one and five. VCB. Vicky, Christina, Barcelona. That is not in the top ten. Oh. Oh. Uh, The Gift. The Gift is number four. How about The Awakening? That's number two. Nice job. Yeah, I imagine that one's pretty high. Do Starter for ten. Starter for ten is six. Yeah, make that list. Professor Um, Marston. Professor Cuck is number three. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, she's good at that. So number number seven is Everything Must Go. Okay. Number eight is Permission. Number nine, The Dinner. Yeah, The Dinner makes sense. And number ten, Tumble Down. Yeah, she's good in both of those. I get that. That's actually a pretty solid list. If you look at the three movies that are outside the top ten, Prestige, Iron Man 3, Frost Nixon, big fan of all those movies, so I would... I would I would trade in some, but I haven't seen all of I haven't seen all of the ones in the top ten, so I can't speak for yeah. that. Yeah, she's good in tumble down in the the dinner, so that makes sense. So if you're a first time listener or a vet, what we do here uh, we evaluate um, the actors based on a consistent scale of zero to one hundred. We look at their longevity as an actor, how long have they been in the game, how consistent have they been. We look at their pop culture impact, right? Are they a recognizable name out in the world of Hollywood television? Um, what's their range? You know, are they a character actor? Are they only doing period pieces or whatever those things happen to be? Or are they in a variety of roles? We look at their awards footprint. We examine uh, if they have other talents. Do they direct, produce, dance, sing, other, sing, have other languages, whatever it happens to be. We take a close look at their personal life. Are they a great human? piece of shit and uh their comedy chops with all that said rigby get us started i'll be honest i didn't i didn't dive into her filmography as much as i probably wanted to or should have 
but I have seen a lot of stuff she's in. Three movies that we talked about tonight: The Prestige, Frost Nixon. I get, I get her role in Frost Nixon is is small, but she's still she's still in it, and she's a prominent character, I guess. Um, and The Town. Those are three of my favorite movies from the last twenty years. I could rewatch them any time, especially The Town. James, you hit your yep. uh, you hit that movie on the head about how much you love it. I, I I'm I'm in the same boat. And her role in that is probably the role that I remember her the most of anything I've seen. You know, I don't really know if she has a big celebrity following or anything like that. She seems pretty reserved. But that being said, she seems like she has a good. She seems like she has a good like spirit about her and a good a good. She just seems like she would be very very nice to people. I don't know why. It might be the British thing. She's got a lot of class, and I like that. So I'm going to give her a 75 just because. Um, she may not be the star in a lot of movies, but she's been in some big ones and ones that are my personal favorites. Well, Case, what do you got? Uh, a couple of things that I'm going to I'm going to focus on is uh, I'm impressed with the longevity. She's been in entertainment and, and acting pretty much her whole life. It's not always a recipe for success, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, child actors or or actors and actresses that are in families involved in the theater and movies, and they don't do very well. And, and in fact, she's the contrary. I, I I think she's very professional as an actress. You know, it looks like she's she's got the foundations also of of getting into directing and producing. And I think I think that's very exciting about her. That being said, there's no major project that she's she's taking the lead on and, and really making a huge impact. I'm going to dock her a little bit there, but I, I'm still, uh, I was very impressed and, and it was very fun to watch her movies and, and to kind of check all those things out. And so my score is going to be a 73. I like Rebecca Hall. She's a, I would say she's an extremely competent actress. Yes. We talked about it earlier. She's at her best when she's playing an emotionally broken character. And she's dabbled in some other genres. She's done horror. She's done. She's tried comedy, maybe unsuccessfully there. And she's got some causes she cares about. I knocked her in two areas. One, pop culture impact, because I just don't think she's known by enough people. They know her yeah. when they see her in movies, but because yeah. she is a reserved personality, she just doesn't get the fanfare that some other actresses might get. And also, she just hasn't had any Oscars love at this point. She's done well on the Golden Globe side and then especially on the British side, the BAFTA end. And I got to give her credit for having a pretty successful career on the stage as well. So with all that said, I'm going to give her, I'm going to add two little nuggets at the bottom. I'm going to give her a, a point bump because her mom is from the Southeast Detroit area and that's my hometown. Nice. Absolutely. But I'm also going to dock her a point, which I'm calling the the nepotism docking and that's because she openly admits her a lot of her success is driven by the fact that you know her parents come from pretty well-to-do connected background in entertainment and we've covered a lot of actors who have had to hustle their way to get there mm -hmm. and get discovered in hawaii working as a waiter yeah a server and sh two actors we've covered got discovered in hawaii right so she had it pretty easy from the start but She's been acting consistently since she was nine years old. I got to give credit there. So with all that said, my score for her is going to be 76. Warren. I hear what everybody is saying and everybody is <laughs> uh -oh, able, able to have those thoughts. I think she's a very nice person. I think the stuff with uh, kind of the Me Too movement and giving stuff, giving a salary from a movie, that's a very 
a strong thing to do, especially as a female in Hollywood. So I definitely, res- I definitely respect that. I think that she is like just based off of her pretty consistent roles in movies. I think she was 100% made for theater. Um, yeah. Like that, that dramatic side. And so I don't think it's a great transition to the two movies all that much. I definitely like her role in a bunch of movies like the town and the prestige and stuff like that. Like, I think that you can insert in like 20 other people into those movies pretty easily. Um, and so for me, it's just like, I, I recognize that she's in some good movies, but does she make them? No. Does she improve them? Probably not. Um, but I, I do recognize the name more and more, but that's just because I watch a shitload of movies. And so I think for most people, like Rebecca Hall is a pretty, still a pretty unheard of name until you say like, oh, she played this role. Um, all, all that said, you know, she, she tried the comedy thing and she picked just about the worst movie ever to do that <laughs> in. And so that's like a huge, that's like a huge negative. Um, I watched bits and pieces of Christine and didn't get around to like watching the whole thing. So I can't really add that in with my review. Um, I pretty much just watched the last 20 minutes of it and like bits and pieces in the middle as she's like struggling with stuff. And I I definitely like, I get her, um, her range in that very, that's, that's like the pinnacle of like emotional roller coaster. But like all, all that said, um, I think she's still just very even keeled. Like you know what you're gonna get with her. For me, it's nothing uh, too impressive. Uh, I'm gonna give her a 55. All right, James. You guys covered a lot of it. Uh, one of the joys of going last is I don't have to reiterate a lot of that. Um, she's movies that I love. Uh, she plays a side character in a lot of those movies. Um, the Prestige is great. I forgot she was in it, and then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of the sweet spot of what she does the emotional um kind of broken character and she was great in that but again it's a side character uh in the town town's one of my favorites i've rewatched it a million times um same thing and i was blown away with christine um i think that movie doesn't work unless it's her in it um it was so heavy i think that's a one-time watch for me but i can still say it was very good uh where i knock her is on as I've already mentioned, is I don't think that it's the name recognition is there quite yet. Um, I don't think she has the leading lady roles quite yet. Christine was the, the big one. Um, I hope that there mm-hmm. will be a future that are like that. Uh, and if I'll let you guys see behind the bit, when I am doing my scores, I go, uh, you know the Mendoza line? I have the JGL Chris Pratt line, and I go, is, is it above that, below that, or in between that? Um, because while I love those actors, I put them there for very specific reasons, um, and I'm going to go right in between that, and I'm going to give her a 66. Okay. Warren, what does that bring us in terms of the average? That gives Rebecca Hall a 69 on the dot, on which, the is, dot. which is 10th. And she is behind Alicia Vikander. Warren, what has she got coming down the pike? Oh, she's got a couple things. Um, she does her uh, 
some directing for a movie called Passing. Uh, follows an unexpected reunion of two high school friends whose renewed acquaintance ignites a mutual obsession that threatens both their carefully constructed realities. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, where she plays Mothra, and she's also... No, I'm kidding. She's not going to play Mothra. You <laughs> fucking idiots. You would have been uh, the last said, one if that's the case. When you said that, I was like, what? <laughs> she's also uh, in a movie that's in post-production called Within that is an anthology film set during COVID-19. I don't oh, baby. Nah, it has dude. begun. Don't do Too this, soon. Movies, man. Yeah, I, I have no interest in watching this hell again. Well, give it some time. It's for our it's for our kids. Yeah. It's not for us. All right, we got five actors on the wheel for next episode. Those five actors are Jeremy Renner, the aforementioned, Billy Crystal, Sandra Bullock, Mahershala Ali, and Diane Ladd. Who we love? Who do we hate? And who I'm are we excited on? for anyone who's not Diane Ladd. I, <laughs> I have yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm with you. Is Diane Ladd Brenda Fricker's sister? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's her stand-in double. D- Diane Ladd was on the PTA with my mom in the fifth grade. Oh, shit, yeah. we, we'd be watching a lot of movies from the 70s and 80s and probably the 90s if it's Dan- Diane Ladd. Literally all I know is that she's Laura Dern's mom. That's it. No idea who that. Still, still nothing. But the other four, love them. Yeah, love I'm, them. I'm all for the rest of them. That's an era where I don't have a lot of knowledge of film, so I'd, I'd fill in some gaps, I guess. Billy Chris will be fun. Watch City Slickers. Uh, we do Renner. Is there any chance you get to watch The Town again, Kyle? <laughs> no, I think we need to make an executive call that if we've re- reviewed a movie <laughs> on this podcast, we don't do it again. I'll watch The Town and just focus on Renner this time and get back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to watch the Marvel go. stuff if it's Renner. And and he's, uh, what, born in the... Which Bourne yeah, movie is he in? Yeah, but those those are the bad ones. You don't want to watch those. I saw Wind River. It was fantastic. I want to do Jeremy Renner because I want to do uh, Senior Trip. Have you guys ever seen that movie? No. That was his yeah. like, first, first yeah. major role from like oh, the no 90s. Yeah. You watch, someone would have to probably watch Tag. Uh, that movie Tag sucked. sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. I love that movie. Um, Sandra Bullock would be good. She's in a lot of good stuff. I mean, probably the, the, I guess, Diane Lance, the least exciting one. We'll see. Uh, as always, uh, the wheel decides. Our next pod is going to hit on August 27th. We've got a guest, so we're going to be riding with the six months. And on this one, his name is Mike Rodmaker. He's a uh, communications guy, talented photographer, but also a huge movie nerd. Been to Sundance like three different times or something like that. He'll be coming in to talk some movies with us. Nice. Cool. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Munson's at Movies. You can catch us on Instagram at Munson's at the Movies. Uh, you can email us, Munson's at the Movies at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Please do uh, respond to our posts. Any final thoughts from the Munson's? You know, I am going to deal with it. And then I'm going to come back to you. And then I'm going to stab you in the groin artery with a steak knife and watch TV while you bleed out, you fucking All right, Munson's out. All right, let's go. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. Doctor, shall we?